0: Amen. Welcome to Bayou City. We're glad you're here. As you're pulling out your Bible, tell the person on your right and left, I'm glad that you are here. Leaders determine the future. God controls destinies, but leaders determine the future. Therefore, leadership matters. I mean, you think about the most important event in human history, the death of Jesus of Nazareth at the hands of leaders. Remember there was at the time in first century Israel, a a, a ruling group called the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin, Uh, Hedron, were appointed by the Roman Empire, Rome ruling the world, appointed by the Roman Empire to govern locally. These were wealthy Jewish men, religious, uh, led by the chief priest. And they saw a collision happening, a collision between Jesus and his followers. He had a lot of followers. He had a few followers It kind of went back and forth uh, during the last three years. But his followers were impassioned. They were committed And he saw a collision between Jesus and his followers and the Roman Empire. Something was going to happen. And when that happened, it meant that they, the Sanhedrin, were going to lose their place. And so they decided it was best for them to step in and steer events. And so they're the ones who had Jesus arrested. They were the ones who worked with Uh, Judas. uh, They were the ones who tried Jesus in uh, the middle of the night. They were the ones who appointed false witnesses to give false testimony about Jesus and what he had done and what uh, he had said. And they were the ones who convicted Jesus to death, but they didn't want to be the ones to kill him. They didn't want to get their hands dirty. And so they went to the Roman governor of Jerusalem, Pontius Pilate, and they pressured Pilate, To crucify Jesus, only you remember, Pilate didn't want to. He didn't see really any fault in Jesus. And at best, this was a local matter, a local religious matter. But they pressured him and pressured him and pressured him. Jesus was crucified. Leaders determine the future. Leadership matters, especially in weeks like the ones we've had recently who you listen to, who you follow, leadership matters. If leadership didn't matter, we wouldn't be spending billions of dollars trying to decide, determine, understand who is going to win the presidential race. If leadership didn't matter, I wouldn't be getting things in the mail from Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Leadership matters. You're a leader. There's somebody looking to you. That's all a leader is, is just someone who has followers, leadership matters. So if leadership matters and leaders determine the future, and I think history would show us that it does, who should lead us? Who is qualified to lead? I think Daniel is helpful in answering this question. Daniel chapter six, you'll turn there. Verse one, we've been the last month walking through the first six chapters of Daniel and You remember chapter 1 tells the story of Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and their transition from Israel, their home, to Babylon, where they are now appointed to work in the king's court. Daniel chapter 2 tells the story of King Nebuchadnezzar and a terrifying dream that he had. Uh, Daniel is able to interpret that dream for him. Daniel chapter three tells the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how they didn't wanna worship the large statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Uh, Daniel chapter four tells the story of another disturbing dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, and Daniel is able to interpret that dream as well. Daniel chapter five tells the story about uh, a new king uh, after Nebuchadnezzar or underneath King Nebuchadnezzar and a hand, a mysterious handwriting on the wall uh, and a prediction that the Babylonian empire would fall. And that's exactly what happened. Daniel chapter five, verse 30 says, and that very night, Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans was killed and Darius, the Mede received the kingdom at age 62. So a transition has happened. It's no longer the Babylonian empire. It is the empire of the Medes and the Persians. Chapter six, verse one. And Darius decided to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, stationed throughout the realm. And over them, three administrators, including Daniel. These satraps would be accountable to them so that the king would not be defrauded. And Daniel distinguished himself above the administrators and satraps because he had an extraordinary spirit. So the king planned to set him over the whole realm. Now, Daniel chapter six is the story of Daniel and the lion's den. But what I would like to suggest to you this morning is that it's not a chapter about lions. It's a chapter about leaders. And that's how the chapter starts. It starts with leadership structure. A few things I'd love for you to write down on our way out this morning. First, effective leaders distinguish themselves. Effective leaders distinguish themselves. Look at The leadership structure, there's Darius the king and underneath him three administrators and one of those administrators is Daniel and underneath those administrators, 120 satraps, 120 regional governors. Remember, this is the most powerful empire in the world at the time. And the king is at the head and then underneath the king is Daniel and two other people. But what does it say about Daniel? It says that the king intended to set him over the whole realm. So here's the leadership structure of the empire And it says that Daniel distinguished himself above the other administrators and satraps. Effective leaders distinguish themselves. You know, we actually have a head start as followers of Jesus in distinguishing ourselves. Turn with me quickly to Matthew chapter five, Jesus's most famous sermon. Sermon on the Mount. Here are just a few of the things that Jesus said about his followers, things that he expects out of us. Verse 21, you've heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, fool, will be subject to the Sanhedrin. But whoever says you moron will be subject to hellfire. So Jesus's bare minimum expectation, this is right out of the gate. First few chapters, Jesus is born. Next chapters, Jesus grows. Uh, Chapter three uh, and chapter four, Jesus is baptized, begins to recruit some followers. Chapter five, this is what he expects out of his followers. Bare minimum requirement, you and I should not be so angry in our heart that we speak evil about someone else. That's a bare minimum requirement. Now think about if you just followed this one bare minimum requirement, how much you'd be distinguished among all the people that you work with, among all the people on your street, among your friends. If you just followed this one simple command. Then he goes on, verse 27, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So another just simple requirement. You and I should not look at other people as objects of our sexual desire. Now think about our culture. Now, if you just followed this one simple command, think about how you'd be distinguished among all the people in this country. Verse 33, again, you've heard that it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven because it is God's throne or by the earth because it is his footstool or by Jerusalem because it is the city of the great king. Neither should you swear by your head because you cannot make a single hair white or black, but let your word yes be yes and your no be no. Anything more than this is from the the evil one. So Jesus says, listen, bare minimum requirement, just keep your word, keep your word. Don't make grand promises that you can't keep. We've all been there, we've all done that. When it's in your power, keep your word. You don't need to trump on, I swear, I promise, I swear on my mother's grave. You don't need to do any of that. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you did that, think about how you would be distinguished among all the peoples of earth. Verse 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. As for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. give to the one who asks you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Think about if we followed this command, especially in this time, in this day, in this moment, how unusual we would be in our culture. If we didn't wanna retaliate, if we didn't wanna say, yeah, but. We not only went the first mile, but the second mile. We not only gave some, we gave all. See, we have a head start as followers of Jesus, just following his simple commands, will distinguish us among all the people that we're surrounded with, just like Daniel. And it says about Daniel back in chapter six that he had an extraordinary spirit. Now I've wrestled with whether or not this was something unique to Daniel or this is something that we could ask for, that God would give us an extraordinary spirit or was this just a special favor that he had on Daniel for that time? I really don't know the answer, but I I say, let's do an experiment. Let's do an experiment. Let's you and I do what Daniel did and see if people refer to us as having an extraordinary spirit. And what did Daniel do? Well, Daniel did two primary things. First, he lived with integrity and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed some more. It's like the number one thing we know about Daniel is that he was a man of prayer and that he lived with integrity and he was faithful. I would guess that if you and I did the things that Daniel did, People would refer to us as having an extraordinary spirit. But effective leaders distinguish themselves. Number two, effective leaders are trustworthy. Effective leaders are trustworthy. Verse four, and the administrators and satraps, therefore kept trying to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom, but they could find no charge or corruption for he was trustworthy and no negligence or corruption was found in him. Then these men said, we will never find any charge against this Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of his God. So Daniel's competitors, his peers are jealous of him. They're jealous of him because the king is getting ready to hand over to him the entire empire. And so they want to bring him down. They don't want him to have all that authority. They want some of it for themselves. It says that Daniel was trustworthy. How do we know if our leaders are trustworthy? Well, you can ask yourself a very simple question. If I followed this person for the rest of my life, would I like where I ended up? If you want to know if your manager is a good manager, if your friends are good friends, if your leaders are good leaders, if I gave myself over to following this person for the rest of my life, would I like how I turned out? We need trustworthy leaders. I think we especially need trustworthy leaders in this day, in this moment in history. Because I'm afraid that you and I have followed leaders into entrenched positions, which we cannot defend biblically. We are an entrenched people. We're entrenched politically. We're entrenched racially. We are entrenched financially. We are entrenched on issues of education and prosperity. We are an entrenched people. And I don't think many of us have pondered what Jesus would have to say about those things on the way to those trenches. It is time for you and I to let our Opinions wrestle with the nature and character and heart of Jesus. It's time for our national ethos as Christians, to wrestle with the heart and character and nature of Jesus. It's time for our state ethos. Texas, it's the best. It's the greatest. There's nothing like it. We all agree on that. But it may be time to let our state ethos wrestle with the heart and character and opinions of Jesus. See, the only question that matters to you today, if you are a follower of Jesus, the only question that matters... Is in this trench that I am currently dug in in. Is Jesus also dug in with me? And if you cannot look down your trench, your political trench, your financial trench, your educational trench, your racial trench, your state trench, your national trench. If you can't look down your trench and find Jesus there, then it's time for you to come out because we are followers of Jesus first and everything else comes at best second. That's why we need trustworthy leaders, leaders who will take us into the positions of Jesus and not into other positions and not into other trenches. Effective leaders are trustworthy. Number three, effective leaders sift the counsel they receive. Effective leaders sift the counsel they receive. Verse six. So the administrators and satraps went together to the king and said to him, may King Darius live forever. All the administrators of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors and governors have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an edict that for 30 days, anyone who petitions any God or man except you, the king will be thrown into the lion's den. Therefore, your majesty, establish the edict and sign the document so that as a law of the Medes and Persians, it is irrevocable and cannot be changed. Effective leaders sift the counsel they receive. So it says that these satraps, they come to King Darius and they say, listen, we've all been talking and we all agree. Every leader has had that conversation when someone comes to you and says, hey, I just want you to know because I love you so much. We've all been talking and we all agree. If anyone ever comes to you and says all of us agree, you can know that they are lying because no group of human beings has ever all agreed about anything. But we use that in our weapon when we want our leaders to do what we want, right? It's helpful to let them know, hey, I have an army, a humongous army behind me that agrees with me. And now we want you to do something about it. That's what they do to King Darius. We've all been talking and we all agree that for 30 days, we shouldn't pray to anyone, any human, any God, except for you, the king. And you should sign this into law. And once it's into law, according to the Medes and Persians, it's irrevocable. You can't change your mind. Not all counsel is good counsel. Not all advice is good advice. If you are a leader, you have to learn how to sift the counsel. You have to understand what is their bias? What do they want? What is their angle? What is their preferable outcome? And does that matter? You have to sift The council, see a good leader cannot have rabbit ears. You know a rabbit, a a rabbit has humongous ears. A A leader can't have huge ears. You can't listen to everyone because you can find some people who say red and you can find some people who say blue. You can find some people who say yes and you can find some people who say no. For those of you who are pretty new to Bayou City, uh, this may come as a shock to you, but we started Bayou City five years ago this fall, and about two and a half years in, we were growing and growing and growing, and God began to stir our heart to start a second campus. So we actually have a second campus, so when I'm not here on a Sunday, it means I'm there, and when I'm not there, it means I'm here, and, uh, and so that's the way that it works, and we have this campus, and, and so two and a half years ago or so, we started this campus out in Cyprus, and And about six months into that little experiment, I I began to have people coming to me and saying, hey, we're all saying, and uh, it was, uh, you know, hey, Curtis, uh, you know, the Cypress Campus is his favorite. He's really favoring it in an unusual way. He's he's favoring it. It's his favorite, his favorite, his favorite. In that exact same week, someone came to me and said, hey, we've all been talking and and we think that you're really favoring the Spring Branch campus. You you just favor it and they get all the staff and they get all the money and they get all the things and it's really bothering us. So so I had a little dilemma as a leader. Either A, I'm the greatest leader ever and like a father, everyone thinks that they are the favorite. (laughs) Or those two things could not be true at the same time. But as a leader, this is what happens. You can't just listen to everything because not all counsel is good counsel. Some of you, even in the last week, you've re- received some advice that has really discouraged your heart. It's discouraged you, it's taken the wind out of your sails. And here's what I, I just want to let you know, and I, I say this speaking as a human being. Most of the time, when it comes to human beings, our brains and our mouths are not attached, they're just not attached. So not all the things that come out of someone's mouth should come out of their mouth. And I say that as one who's guilty of having things come out that shouldn't come out. So here's what a good leader does. A good leader keeps everything in mind, but lets God decide what we take to heart. Good leader keeps everything in mind, even if it's not true, even if it doesn't have all the perspective, even if it's not 100% balanced and wise. Good leader keeps everything in mind, but God determines what you take to heart. Effective leaders sift their counsel. King Darius didn't do this, and he made a mistake. And his mistake is in chapter six, verse nine. So King Darius signed the document. The next thing I'd love for you to write down is effective leaders check their egos. Effective leaders check their egos. Darius decided, yeah, I I will let myself be worshiped and prayed to as a God for 30 days, just 30 days. And we're not being ridiculous here. We're not saying for a year. We're not saying for ever, but just for 30 days, that seems reasonable. There's nothing more dangerous than unchecked credit. Pride is the Achilles heel of every leader. Darius forgets this, and he ends up making a bad decision. You compare that to Jesus. John chapter 13, turn there with me. Verse one, it says, Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now by the time of the supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son to betray him. And Jesus knew that the father had given everything into his hands and that he had come from God and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his robe, took a towel and tied it around himself. And next he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. So it says in verse three that Jesus knew the father had given him everything and put it in his hands. Think about that level of authority. King Darius, he was the most powerful man in the world. His power was unrivaled, unequaled. And here Jesus uh, receives all that God has. God takes everything that is his. This is the creator. This is the sustainer. This is the one, the one Puts everything into the hands of Jesus. Think about that power. Think about that authority. This is what Jesus has in mind at the end of the gospels in Matthew chapter 28 when he says to the disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And what does Jesus do with that authority? He says he stands up, which is what leaders do. Leaders stand up. They step forward. But Jesus stands up to kneel down and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. He stands up to, to kneel down. When I mean, you think about those feet, those were some nasty feet. One thing that we can agree on today is that adult feet are pretty gross. Right? Sweet little baby feet, those are okay. We can nibble on those a, a little bit. Maybe your wife's feet are, are wonderful, but for sure what we can agree on today is that adult men's feet are nasty and no one wants to look at them. Some of you are wearing flip-flops today. Cover those things up right now. They're gross. And here Jesus is on all authority that has ever been the top, the A-level, universal authority placed in his hands. And he stands up, which is what we'd expect a leader to do, only to kneel down and take those feet, those dirty, dusty, smelly feet. And he begins to... every leader envisions themselves standing up, but the kind of leadership that will last and the kind of leadership that will mean something in eternity is leadership that stands up to kneel down. Now, there will be a day when Jesus shows off all that authority. Revelation chapter 19 says that he's going to appear to us hopefully soon, it seems like soon. And he's going to be riding a white horse of victory and he's going to lay waste to all of his enemies and all he's got to do is just open his mouth and his words will come out like a sword. It's going to be an unbelievable thing. And 2 Timothy chapter two tells us that if you and I, just regular people, you and I, if we endure in our faithfulness to Jesus, we actually get to reign with him. So there'll be a reigning with him as he's raining. But today is not the day for raining. Today is the day for serving. And this upper room was not the day for the white horse. It was the day for the water basin. This life that you and I have right now, it's not a life for raining. There will be a moment for you in the future when you will have more than enough authority in the kingdom of God. But today is the day for serving. Effective leaders, they know that. They know that. They don't let their pride go unchecked. They don't let compliments lure them into arrogance. Effective leaders check their egos. Number five, effective leaders are consistent in what is right. Daniel chapter six, verse 10. And when Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house and the windows The windows in its upper room opened toward Jerusalem and three times a day, he got down on his knees, prayed and gave thanks to his God just as he had done before. And these men went as a group and found Daniel petitioning and imploring his God. So they approached the king and asked about his edict. Didn't you sign an edict that for 30 days, any man who petitions any God or man except you, the king will be thrown into the lion's den. King answered, as the law of the Medes and Persians, the order stands and it is irrevocable. So these leaders, they, they know where to find Daniel because it says it was his custom, it was his pattern, as he always did, just as he had done before, three times a day. He would go into his room and he'd open up the windows to his house because they looked toward Jerusalem. Now you remember Daniel was born there. That was his homeland. And even though he has a tremendous amount of authority, he's still a slave. He's not free to turn in his letter of resignation. He's not free to just slide it across the table to King Darius and say, you know, it's been a nice ride. I'd like to retire now. I have enough money. I'd like to go back home. It didn't work like that. So three times a day, he'd come into his house and open the doors back to his homeland and ask of God and ask of God and ask of God. And he was so faithful that these guys knew where to find him. Listen, if somebody wanted to catch you in their faithfulness, you in there, in your faithfulness, would they know where to look? If someone wanted to catch you in your faithfulness, would they know where to look? Would they know every morning, hey, you can find him at his kitchen table with his Bible open. Hey, every morning you can find her walking around her neighborhood praying. Every morning, every Sunday morning, you can find them at church. Every Wednesday, you can find them serving If someone wanted to catch you in your faithfulness, would they know where to look? We like to think of our leaders as people with grand vision who can see into the future, inspire our hearts. But I think good leaders are just leaders who wake up and do the right thing today and they wake up and do the right thing tomorrow right thing the next day, just consistently doing what's right. It's day by day faithfulness, the grind of faithfulness. A good leader is not someone who can wow you with vision. A good leader is somebody who can stand in the ring and take the blows. So many of you are young and this is not your day for leading at work or in the home yet and maybe not even in the church but you you see those positions and you're like i want that one day that's what i want if they would just that old person would just get out of the way so i could step in that would be fantastic and that's a great thing i think god puts that desire in us not for the people to step out but uh, to lead and So if you were looking for uh, the number one tool belt, in my opinion, to be an effective leader, you young people, learn to suffer. You learn to suffer well, with tenacious endurance, you'll be a fantastic leader. If you can do the right thing day after day after day, when you get applause and when you get criticism, day after day after day when there's glory and when there's shame, day after day after day when it's easy and when it's hard, you'll be a tremendous leader and you'll have no shortage of followers. Good leaders are consistent in what is right. Number six, effective leaders are innocent before God and man. And the king replied, they replied to the king, Daniel, verse 13, one of the Judean exiles has ignored you, the king, and the edict you signed, for he prays three times a day. As soon as the king heard this, he was very displeased, and he set his mind on rescuing Daniel and made every effort until sundown to deliver him. So he regrets his mistake. He regrets the the tragedy that his pride has wrought. Then these men went to the king and said to him, as you know, and they are just reviewing with him, you can't back out. You made the edict. Daniel's going to die. It says, then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and he could not sleep. And at first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. And when he reached the den, he cried out in anguish to Daniel. Daniel, servant of the living God, the king said, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? You know, we use Daniel and the lions then as a kid's story. We teach that story to kids in church. How ter- what a terrible idea that is. <laughs> hey, kids, if you're faithful to God, one day wild animals will rip you limb from limb. I mean, can you think of a more miserable way to die? Being eaten by lions is like dying while you're still alive. And the king is in distress because of what may or may not have happened to Daniel. Then Daniel spoke to the king, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. They haven't hurt me for I was found innocent before him. And also I have not committed a crime against you, my king. So Daniel says, no, I'm saved. And why am I saved? Because I was innocent before God and I was innocent before you. Romans 16, 19 says, but I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. What that means is you be gifted in what is good and inexperienced in what is evil. Secret sins sink leaders. Your integrity will be the platform for the stability of your leadership effective leaders are innocent before God and man. And number seven, effective leaders prosper in multiple environments. Verse 23. And the king was overjoyed and gave orders to take Daniel out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den uninjured for he trusted in his God and the king then gave the command and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den, they, their children and their wives and they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. This lets you in behind the curtain of what it was like to be in the empire in these days, to be a part of the Babylonian empire, to be a part of the empire of the Medes and Persians of what they did to these families. Then King Darius wrote to those of every people, nation, and language who live in all the earth, may your prosperity abound. Then he issues a decree that everyone should give respect and fear to the God of Daniel. And then it says this in verse 28. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Effective leaders prosper in multiple environments. Daniel prospered under Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel prospered under Darius and Daniel prospered under Cyrus. You know how unusual that is? In these days, when there was a transition in royalty, everyone who had been for the previous king was at best kicked out of the kingdom and at worst killed. These transitions were not smooth, but Daniel was able to navigate all of them. Effective leaders are able to prosper in multiple environments. So you, you may not be in the perfect environment right now. Work may not be totally exactly the way that you want it to be. Your home situation may not just be totally gelling the way that it is. Among your friends, among your family, extended family, the situation may not be ideal, but that doesn't mean that you can't prosper because, because effective leaders A few weeks ago, I told you about my grandfather who passed away. He's a great man, great, great man. When we were at the funeral, I was not only a grandson, but a uh, ministering uh, official. And and so um, people would uh, come down the line and, and talk. And uh, one of those was uh, our pastor from years before. And I've told you before about my church growing up, but we started very, very small when I was probably 10 years old, we were at best 40 people. That was a good Sunday. Half of those people were related to me, which is a weird dynamic, you know. Uh, but then our church grew up to 700, 750 people by the time I graduated high school. So just a tremendous growth, very, very fast. And the pastor who was really the one who kind of led the way and all that was there at my grandfather's funeral. I had not seen him in many years. And he, he told me a story I'd never heard before. And I thought I'd heard all of my grandfather's stories. He was a great uh, storyteller and, and uh Anyway, so he begins to tell a story about in the early days when the church was very, very, very small and uh, the church building was very, very old and very, very small, there was a, a leak in the roof. And when your church is small, you don't have a custodial staff to go and fix the problems. You regular people go and fix the problems, and the pastor goes and fix problems. And so he said, I was there with your grandfather. It was just the two of us. We were fixing the leak in the roof, and, and I was holding the ladder. That was my job. And he said, my, Your grandfather didn't trust me very much to do anything, so I held the ladder. And, so I was holding the ladder. My grandfather's sitting on the edge of the roof, fixing the leak. And they're just talking back and forth. And he looks up the ladder towards my grandfather. And my grandfather's crying in the middle of the day, fixing this roof. And he says, why are, why are you crying? What's wrong? What's, what's going on? And uh, he said, your grandfather said, we've not had a heart for the lost in this church in 15 years. We haven't cared whether or not people who don't know Jesus are coming to know Jesus. We just haven't cared and I'm broken about it. My pastor said that next Sunday, just a few days later, three people were saved and baptized that day. And that began the growth from 40 to 700. Listen, here's what I want to leave you with today. Somebody is looking up a ladder at you right now. Somebody, maybe a lot of people what are they going to see at the top? Are they going to see an effective leader like Daniel? Or are they going to see something else like Darius? Let's pray. God, we pray by the power of your spirit God, that you would make us effective leaders. God, we pray for the kind of faithfulness and integrity in prayer that Daniel had. We pray that that is also in us. God, we pray that you would keep us from pride, which would be our downfall. God, we pray most of all for the power of your Spirit to do these things in us and through us, because I'm afraid that we can't do them alone. And God, we pray for our country, we pray for effective leaders. We pray for our city, we pray you would raise up effective leaders. Pray for our church that you would raise up effective leaders. Pray in our homes to be effective leaders. We ask these things not in our own name or for our own sake. We ask them for your name and for your sake. Amen.